0: Hey everyone, this is Laz Jackson of Detroit Bad Boys, and on this week's podcast, we have the Toronto Raptors team preview up next in our series. Ben and I talked to Blake Murphy of The Athletic Toronto and Kelsey O'Brien of Raptors HQ about the Kawhi Leonard trade, the Raptors winning 63 games, and Daylon Wright, dribble god, As always, we appreciate your continued support of the podcast. The best way to do that is to share, like, and leave comments. Uh, Please leave comments on the post on Detroit Bad Boys. It's the best way for us to build the podcast according to what the fans want. In order to do that, though, you have to follow DetroitBadBoys.com, which you should be doing because it's the best place on the internet for Pistons news and analysis this season. With all that said, it's time to go to work. (laughs) Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Detroit Bad Boys podcast. I am your host, Lazarus Jackson. I am pleased today to be joined by my usual co-host, Ben Galker. Ben, how are you doing?
1: Hey, I'm doing great. And r- another one I'm really excited about. Raptors are a really interesting team, so I'm anxious to get some uh, some local hometown perspective about the Toronto Raptors this year.
0: Yeah, I'm, a, I'm excited too. The Raptors are very curious. And, and to help us out in that department, we have Blake Murphy of the Athletic Toronto and, I guess, a writer Emeritus of Raptors Republic. He, he recently wrote a tearful farewell to Raptors Republic. That was quite touching. And uh, Kelsey O'Brien of Raptors HQ. Uh, how are you two doing today? Kelsey, go first.
2: Not it's, bad. How are you?
0: I'm doing well. And we're going to, that's what I'm going to be doing. Telling people questions by name so that you don't <laughs> both start talking at the same time. <laughs> Perfect. All right. So, uh. Blake, we're going to ask you the first question that we ask everyone on this podcast, which is give us the uh, one word that sums up Toronto's fans feelings about this offseason and uh, explain why.
3: Conflicted, I think. And, uh, you know, I think that's because Kawhi Leonard is, you know, probably the best player the Raptors have ever had. If he's at, you know, 90 percent of what he was the last two years, we saw him play healthy. Um, But DeMar DeRozan meant a lot to this franchise. He meant a lot on the court. He meant a lot off the court. Uh, and especially because people still haven't seen Kawhi Leonard in a Raptors jersey or seen Kawhi Leonard on the court. Uh, You know, it's been a a mixed bag from people. I think there's like some anxiousness mixed in there as well, Uh, just like wanting to see him and and then everyone can move forward. But um, at least in in response to the trade, which is one of the biggest in franchise history, um, definitely conflicted out of the gate was probably uh, probably how you'd sum it up. All
0: right, Kelsey, what would uh, what would your word be?
2: I don't even know if it would be a word. It's just kind of like, yo. <laughs> <laughs> no one really knows what to expect other than to be excited.
0: All right. So is that yo with like an exclamation point? Yo with like a it's question like mark? Like yo yo with, with like a
2: an period? Point and then an ellipsis after.
0: Okay. So so obviously, that we're, everything we're talking about centers around the Kawhi Leonard trade. Uh, Kawhi and Danny Green were traded for DeMar DeRozan, Jakob Pertl, and a 2019 first round pick. Uh for me the obvious question, Kelsey, is uh whether or not the team is sure that they can re sign Kawhi. have they given any like notification? I saw like Masai had that one picture where uh, Kawhi looked like a, a hostage, but other than that, like have have we heard anything from Kawhi that like he, he wants to stay in Toronto?
2: Well he kind of always looks like a hostage, so I wouldn't read too far into that. That's fair. But uh no, nope. He hasn't said anything at all. Like he hasn't even confirmed that he is a Toronto Raptor. So I think that's also what's got a lot of the fan base on edge is that he hasn't said anything, but he is scheduled to appear at media day tomorrow and I'm sure Blake will be there. So he'll probably be able to answer that question a little later. But um, I, I honestly think they do have a good chance of re-signing him. I don't think that Masayu Jiri is one to risk it all for a one year rental. And we, I was just thinking like we don't know what conversations he's had with Kawhi. we don't know what conversations he's had with Kawhi's agent and all the rumors about Kawhi wanting to go west and go to the clippers everything is just rumors none of this has ever actually come out of Kawhi's mouth so for all we know he could be very happy in toronto and could want to stay
0: so blake masai ujiri always has a Plan that seems to be like his defining feature uh, as an NBA executive. What do you think his plan is if Kawhi doesn't come back?
3: I think if Kawhi doesn't come back, you know the Raptors are set up pretty well to pivot, and I I don't want to say rebuild because I think they like their young talent enough, and they like the upside of those guys uh, that they wouldn't do necessarily a full teardown, Uh, but a pivoting to kind of the next the next era with Pascal Siakam and OG Ananobi and Fred VanVleet, you know, and, and then. In that case, I think they'd be trying to trade Kyle Lowry uh, in the offseason as well and see what he can, they can get back for him. Um, you know, Serge Ibaka probably wouldn't be tradable in, the, in that kind of scenario unless you take dead money back. But uh, I think that would be the plan. And, and Masai Ujiri has toyed with the idea of a rebuild or a step back in the past. And, and while he came out this summer and said, basically, we won't rebuild, uh, you know, when he traded away Rudy Gay and Andrea Bargnani, that was the initial intention. Uh, and you know, when Kyle Lowry was a free agent, they, you know, that was one of the scenarios they looked at and one of the paths that they could have gone down if Kyle Lowry and Serge Ibaka weren't able to be retained and there was a good market for DeMar DeRozan. So, uh, if Kawhi doesn't return, I would think the plan is, uh, you know, kind of pivot to that young core and and spend one season really seeing what the upside is in some of those guys. And then you look at their cap sheet and they're very, very clean 2020 and 2021. So uh, I think they kind of kick it down the line at least one year at that point.
1: So second biggest story after Kawhi has got to be the coaching change. Obviously that impacts the Pistons as well, picking up Dwayne Casey, Uh, hiring of Nick nurse. um, Let's start with you, Kelsey. What are your expectations for nurse this year?
2: Um, A lot more Jonas Valanciunas. (laughs) And I think that's actually going to be really exciting. I think he felt a little bit intimidated and um, a little bit scared when he was under, Swing Casey's thumb because you know anytime he would screw up he'd end up on the bench but Nick Nurse has been in his corner for a while now so I think that we're going to really see Jonas flourish and I'm actually really excited for that
1: Blake what do you think same question
3: yeah I think the big thing uh, the Valanciunas point is very legitimate and I'm I'm likewise excited to see how he's used differently on offense
1: I think the big thing
3: is going to be, and Nick Nurse has talked about this a little bit, is he doesn't want the team to be as rigid. And what he means by that, I think, is that he doesn't want to be dogmatic about a five-man starting lineup they have to play against every opponent. They don't want to have a pick-and-roll scheme where the center does the same thing against every opponent and you play a more dynamic team and you're stuck playing that way. Um, I think he wants to experiment and he wants to try new things and he wants to see what they really have here, uh, with the intention being, you know, the Raptors the last couple of years, they know they're very good in the regular season and they know how to be very good in the regular season. Uh, but they only really knew how to play one way e- in each of those years. And I, I think he'll want to, uh, and the way we should probably evaluate him is on how versatile and how flexible uh, the Raptors can be with a lineup really that that plays into that as a strength anyway.
0: So I guess that, that leads me to kind of where I was going a little bit down the line, but we can bring it up now, is that I, I really don't know what the crunch time lineup This team looks like. Um, Obviously, last year it shifted. Uh, Sometimes you see you saw Jonas in there. Sometimes you'd see uh, Abaca at at the five. Um, Pascal Siakam's role increased as the year went on. Sometimes you see him closing games. Um, Obviously, now with 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 Kawhi and No. DeRozan, uh, they didn't really they didn't play the same position, and so you've got an uh, an open question about like who's the crunch time uh, shooting guard. And so Kelsey. What what do you think the the crunch time lineup is for this squad?
2: Um probably Serge Jonas, Kawhi, Danny Green and Kyle. That would be that were would be where I place all my money, but I mean Pascal could easily be switched out for Serge if Serge is performing at the 2017-2018 Serge level.
0: Blake, what do you what do you think the crunch time lineup is going to be?
3: Yeah, I think, I think Kyle Lowry and Kawhi Leonard are the the only set pieces there, and they'll, they'll look by opponent. Um, I would think that Fred VanVleet would probably wind up in third in terms of crunch minutes. They are, they're going to play a ton of two-point guard ball. Uh, they like the way the perimeter defense stacks up, even with VanVleet and Lowry next to each other, uh, because of the spacing that you have. If you have those two and, and Kawhi Leonard um, there on the offensive end and the defensive end, you're going to be in good shape. Um, I do think Jonas Valanciunas will close more than in years past. I think by the end of last year, the team said basically they were comfortable with him being on the floor against any center, not named Kevin Love in a in a big situation like that. So um, I think you'll see a little bit more of that. And then they'll play, you know, to my point earlier about trying new things and being flexible, they'll, they'll try some new things. And the nice thing is they can they can plug and play with a lot of guys in those last one or two, one or two spots, whether it's a Bach at the five or Valanciunas and then whoever the extra wing is.
1: So anyone who's listened to the podcast for a long time knows that I'm a, I'm a fan of big men who do big man things. Um, So I'm intrigued to hear that Jonas might have a little bit more uh, role in the offense this year, maybe even in crunch time. Um, But talk to me a little bit about last season. How much do you think um, freedom to take three point shots engaged him in the offense? And this is kind of a loaded question because in Detroit, um, we've seen a lot of Instagram videos of Andre Drummond taking threes and, and there's a lot of uncertainty and nervousness about this. So talk a little bit more about Jonas last year on the perimeter. How did his game change and what did that do for the team when it did?
2: Wait, go ahead. You can take this one. Oh,
3: okay. Um, yeah. I think, you know, I, I don't think there are ever going to be a point where, you know, Jonas is just bombing threes, but I think it's important. I think one, one aspect that's important in is just getting him involved a little bit more uh, for flow of the game purposes. And, and you saw that with all of the Raptors' bigs last year. They touched the ball a little bit more. Stationary handoffs became dribble handoffs, um, a little more empowered to make passes. Jonas' three-point shooting, you know, the big thing for him really is if he can hit that trailing three in transition, um, you know, he's always going to be around the rim on defense. He's always going to be one of the last guys back down. Uh, if someone's sleeping on him there, that opens up a lot for him. And, and really, I think those are, just, those are just fun for him. Yeah, he shot 40% on a moderate volume, but even if he hits, you know, low thirties, that's such a fun shot for him and gets him so involved. Um, And it's at least something, you know, another team has to think about you guys, you know, you'll see the Raptors a couple times. You saw them a couple times last year. I I would guess that you don't really want Drummond guarding Valanchunas like he's a stretch five uh, because what that can open up elsewhere. So um, it's, it's mostly a fun wrinkle and I think Valanchunas really appreciates it and, um, yeah, I think we'll see a little bit more of it this year. I wouldn't be surprised if he averages more than one a game this
2: year. Huh? Especially with the 14 second shot um, or 14 seconds reset for the shot clock, he'll give him the 10 seconds he needs to set. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, Andre is still the only guy in the league who consistently falls for Jonas's pump fake, and so I can't.
2: <laughs>
0: I, that's not as funny as I would like it to be. <laughs>
3: Look, it's funny in a meaningless regular season game. It's like it's not that big a deal. But, yeah, if it were a 1-8 or 2-7 matchup in the playoffs and that were happening a couple times a game, I could imagine you guys might pull your hair out a bit. Yeah,
0: that, that would not be so great. And so, wait, Blake, you're just going to jump all the way ahead to to the 1-8 or 2-7, are you?
3: Yeah, of course. Yeah, Let's get the regular season over with. We waited all this time for it. It's it's too deep now. Let's go.
1: (laughs) It's September, and Blake is already sick of the regular season.
3: (laughs) Look, this is what the Raptors have been the last couple years, though. And, and like, obviously it's way more interesting this year with Kawhi Leonard here and how that's going to look under a new coach. Um, But, you know, that's the thing when you make the playoffs five years in a row and you kind of flame out at the same spot. It's like, okay, like the Raptors already know, like, this team's going to win 50-plus games, and there's not much question about it. Um, so while that will be fun, a lot of like how good are the Raptors is is going to be the same as last year where everyone's kind of like, OK, well, let's see what it looks like in April.
0: So, Kelsey, for Kyle Lowry, he played a lot less, a lot fewer minutes last year by design um, and his statistical outputs like points and shots and assist rate kind of went down accordingly. Um, but he was still like just as impactful in the playoffs. Um, I believe he was. Uh, he's like kind of shaken a little bit of those, those playoff yips he had in his first couple trips. trips. Um, is the plan regarding Kyle to continue kind of resting him during the regular season, or um, I don't want to say devaluing him, but like taking the offense a little bit out of his hands in order to preserve him for the playoffs.
2: Um, I think that's probably the exact reason that they re or that they um, gave Brad Van Vliet the money that they did is so that, Ka- uh, sorry, not Kawhi. I'm always thinking about Kawhi. Um, so that Kyle will have a little bit more chance to rest and will not have as much um responsibility throughout the regular season. And as, if we don't trade Delon, then there's Delon too. So
0: Well, they played those two together often uh on the in bench lineups, didn't they?
2: Fred and Delon? Yeah, Fred and Delon. Yeah.
0: So when you have a two guard lineup like that and you and uh I know a big thing a couple of years back was like Kyle plus the bench. Um, but is nurse going to play like all three of those guys together? Do you think you see?
2: No, no, no. I think, um, I think that Fred will give Kyle a chance to rest and DeLon could give Fred a chance to rest.
0: Uh, okay. I see. I see what you're saying. Sorry. No, it's cool. Uh, Blake, uh, what, what are your thoughts on, on Kyle Lowe's pro- production and uh, I guess minute load this season?
3: Yeah, as long as I mean, you mentioned the impact stats, as long as those are Kyle Lowry level, you know, his impact on the team is going to be just fine. And I'm I'm perfectly fine with, you know, a guy like that who into his 30s now is still going to try to take a ton of charges and is still going to land at the bottom of the baseline on a couple layup attempts a game. If you want to kind of take control away from his not recklessness, but he only has one speed to go at. Uh, and play him, you know, sit him on some back-to-backs and, and have those minutes around 30, um, like Kelsey said, they have the point guard depth to do that. Offensively, I actually wouldn't be surprised if if the ball's in his hands a little bit more again. Um, you know, he's, I think John Schumann tweeted out a stat uh, about players who had taken at least 300 pull-up threes in the, over the last three seasons, and Kyle Lowry is the best percentage in the league. Um, obviously, those are super valuable, stretching the floor vertically. Um, and then, you know, DeMar DeRozan had the ball in his hands a lot. And his usage rate was up around 30%. And in terms of time holding the ball, DeMar DeRozan was pretty high. Uh, That's a lot of that's going to shift to Kawhi Leonard. And and a lot of that can be spread around the rest of the team uh, and see if some of these lower usage guys can do it. It can be just as efficient in a higher usage role. But some of that's going to be Kyle Lowry too. He's their best um, playmaker in the pick and roll. He's their best pull up shooter. Um, And yeah, he's a great spot up shooter too. So when the ball's in the hands of Fred Van Vliet or DeLon or Kawhi Leonard, uh, he's valuable that way, too. But I think the minutes will be about the same and, and he might have, you know, a little bit more of a, a thumbprint on the offense.
1: So we sort of started talking about this a little bit when Laz uh, raised the question about crunch time minutes. But you've got Sergio Ibaka and you've got Pascal Siakam. And, and I mentioned pre-show that. I was just watching some YouTube highlights of Siakam and it was like a top 10 list And Detroit was the first one on the list. Just getting absolutely (laughs) dunked on. Um, Talk to us a little bit about Siakam. What's his role on this team? Um, Is is there a chance he emerges as a small ball center of choice and and sort of replaces Ibaka? Uh, And if not this season, when might that happen?
0: Kelsey.
2: Oh, me.
1: Oh yeah. Sorry. (laughs) Kelsey. That sounds great.
2: Um, well, the thing is, he's a lot faster than Serge, and he's a lot faster than Jonas. So, I think when we're playing like a fast-paced game, that's when you'll see Siakam shine, and that's that's when they'll need him the most, and that's when he'll deliver.
0: So that kind of takes him out of the running for uh for like a well not doesn't take him out of the running before like a crunch time lineup in which you're playing at a more like deliberate half-court pace. Is he just, like, that will just dull a lot of his effectiveness, and so you you doubt we'll see him in that kind of position?
2: I don't know, because I don't know what he's been working on this summer. So, and it's also a completely new coach with a completely new ideas. So what we've seen from Pascal Siakam in the last few years, we may see something completely different this season. This whole season really seems so up in the air and just so curious because everything is so new.
0: Well, your roster didn't have that much turnover i mean i
2: yeah but why leonard <laughs> and we got rid of Lamar, <laughs> and we got a new coach
0: so okay so i want to finish talking about surgeon pascal but we're going to come back to that one trust me because this is you've said that a couple times and now i'm curious but uh but blake so uh, what's what's the what's abaca's like expiration date right his contract's up i think in two years he's got a player option on the final year
3: no it's a straight it's a straight deal from here he's owed 45 over the next two and even if it were a player option there's no way he'd decline that thing at this That's point point.
0: and so I guess as you see uh as you elevate Jonas and as you see Siakam kind of rise and you see a potential role for Abaka kind of lessen uh, how do you think that will that'll impact the, the locker room I mean this is a guy that they spent a lot of capital to to go get with the promise that like you will be really important for us in the future and now he's, he's being minimized
3: yeah it's a tough question and you know last year he didn't have a very good playoffs I thought over the course of the season he was fine he's obviously overpaid um, but the starting lineup was successful and um, some lineups with him at the five were successful him and Jonas Valanciunas as a pairing were even successful Uh, There are just not a ton of bigs who can pick and pop like he can. And even in the mid-range, he was one of the league's best mid-range shooters. So I don't think he's, you know, I don't think he's bad. I think that people anchor his performance to his contract, which is a really bad contract already. Um, So, you know, I guess were I being cold about it and just strictly analytically, you know, that contract's a sunk cost now. You can't do anything about it. You probably can't trade it because it's a negative asset value um, unless, you know, fingers crossed, Tom Thibodeau loves him some Serge Ibaka. <laughs> um, so you can't really, you know, Nick Nurse can't manage the rotation around his contract. Um, so you could minimize him. And as long as he's still useful in whatever role that is, whether it's as the backup center this year or, you know, playing more minutes with the bench in that Jakob pertle position or whatever it is, um, that's easy enough. But you mentioned the locker room side. Uh, Ego plays a part in that too. And, and he is a vet and he does have more playoff experience than most of the guys in that locker room. Um, he's a well-liked guy. I don't know if you guys have seen his cooking for teammates videos. Um, they're, they, they like Serge and, and you know, he's, he's an important part of that, of that team. So, so I don't think, I don't think you're going to see a point in the next two years where he's playing, you know, 10, 15 minutes a game. Uh, I think, I think the big kind of bellwether for this will be, whether or not they try bringing Serge off the bench, because that's something that makes a lot of sense on paper. And it's, you know, a big question mark as to whether they could make that work. So if you see Serge come off the bench at some point, uh, you know, I think that's a pretty positive indicator that they're going to use him um, in more creative ways to, to make sure he's successful within that team concept.
0: So I've only seen the most recent uh, Serge cooking with teammates, and he was cooking with a guy yeah. who is no longer his teammate. And Damar DeRozan. And so we've kind of talked around like the shadow of DeMar. Um, I, I didn't know if like that was something that we should leave in the past or talk about now. But no, like Kelsey's brought it up a couple times um in that the team feels very different to her, despite the fact that the roster is like not really that much different aside from Kawhi and Damar. So Kelsey, I guess what's what's the difference between I mean, like I know stylistically like what the difference between DeMar and Kawhi Leonard is, but like what like mentally or emotionally or psychologically or like spiritually, metaphysically, what's the difference between DeMar DeRozan and Kawhi Leonard to you?
2: Stylistically, I don't really think that there's that much of a difference. So I think that he will fit in quite well. I don't think they're going to have to change their entire, entire style, style of play because he is quite similar to DeMar, but like, These are all grown men, and they all know that it's a job. So I don't think that anyone is going to, you know, you can't sit with us at lunch because we want Miss DeMar. I don't think any of that's going to happen. I think it will be fine. Maybe it'll take a couple games to get used to. But, I mean, DeMar took them as far as he could, and now it's someone else's turn to kind of take the reins, and I think Kawhi Leonard would be perfect for it.
0: So I guess what's the – a big concern when the trade went down was that Kyle would kind of pout because they traded his bro for life. And I know he's probably excited to play with a, a player of Kawhi's caliber, but have we heard any dissatisfaction from Kyle regarding the trade? Or has he just put on his like big boy soldier face and said, like, I'm, okay. I'm gonna be fine no matter what?
2: Well, the thing is, Kyle knows it's a business and like this not coming this is coming from Kyle's camp so i didn't tell anybody else this but i'll tell you guys Um, (laughs) kyle knew that one of them was going to be traded right after Dwayne casey got fired he knew it was going to be either him or damar he knew that going into it and it just happened to be his best friend and he knows it's a business and at the end of the day i mean who hasn't had a friend that they worked with that ended up working somewhere else it's it's not as deep as people are making it seem
3: Hmm. yeah that's basically that's basically what I've heard as well, is that Lowry was prepared for one of them to get dealt. It caught DeRozan more by surprise because of a conversation that happened in Vegas and because you know DeRozan tends to operate his offseason as if he's like DeRozan operates as his own thing, um, just locked in the gym and whatever else happens around him will happen. So Lowry seemed more prepared for it anyway. And um, I think you know people made too much about the USA basketball stuff. Like Lowry said, I'm not going to talk about this. And then he got asked a bunch of times and everyone knows how Kyle Lowry is with the media already. Like everyone, I could have predicted to you what exactly what was going to happen in that scenario. Uh, But also like DeRozan was standing across the gym. It's not as if, even if Lowry was super thrilled about this trade and was happy to be gone up like rid of DeMar, he could have said anything to that effect. His best friend was standing within earshot and you know, the wound was still raw for him. So I think that got taken out of a, out of, not out of context, but like people didn't contextualize that super well. Um, and then, yeah, to Kelsey's sources, Kyle Lowry <laughs> knew something was, was probably going to happen.
1: So uh, last time we looked at the over-under for the Raptors, 55.5 was the number for the over-under. Uh, Blake, let's start with you. Where are you at on that? Are you, are you over? Are you under?
3: Yeah, I think I'd take a slight over. Uh, the, the biggest concern for me obviously is how many games Kyle Lowry and Kawhi Leonard are going to play. Um, but I have undershot the Raptors win total in three of the last four years. So I'm going to, I'm going to just kind of try to skew on the other error on the other side this time around. I, I think, you know, 57, 58 is probably like, that's a lot of wins. Um, but the bottom of the East is not particularly good. The Raptors know how to win. They're super, like, they run 12 deep. Um, so even the nights they do rest a, a Lowry or a Leonard or a, a whoever, um, they should be pretty well off. So even with any bumps in the road and an adjustment period, as long as you're getting, you know, 70 games from from Leonard and 75 from Lowry, you, you should be in that high
1: 50s range. Kelsey, where are you at on the over-under?
2: Um,
0: 63. Whoa. Ooh.
2: That Six, is like very specific number.
0: Have you like already looked at the schedule and like figured out exactly which sixty three games you are going to win?
2: Oh yeah, it's on my fridge.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love
2: so, that. Only at the end of this year, this calendar year,
0: though. <laughs> I like that. So sixty three wins is would obviously put them what in the at the one seed in your mind.
2: I would think so. Okay.
0: I mean, I don't know. Boston's really good this year in my in my mind at least. Mm-hmm. But uh, so is would. What's the, is that the, that sounds like a pretty rosy picture. Uh, that sounds like the best case scenario for the Raptors, but if they, if they won 63 games, are you projecting them to be a finals team? Are you projecting them to make the ECF? Like where, where are you going? Uh, when I guess the calendar flips over to the, uh, 2019.
2: (laughs) Um, I definitely think that they'll be in the Eastern conference finals and I mean, I'm not that intimidated by Philadelphia and I'm really, I know it's, it's cocky, but I'm not that intimidated by Boston either. I mean, we haven't seen Gordon Hayward play for Boston for more than, what was it, like four minutes and six seconds or something ridiculous? Yeah. So I, for him to just to see how he would fit into their starting lineup is very, um, very interesting and very curious. Okay, I'm just I'm just way too confident in this season. I think.
0: No, I mean, 63 games uh, definitely belies a measure of confidence. I would say. <laughs> so, so Blake, what, what would the best case scenario for the Raptors be in your head? Would they would they be a finals team? Are they you know, capped at the ECF? Where where are they? Where uh, where you're at?
3: No, I think there's a pretty you know there's a pretty reasonable path to the finals for them. Um, I'm with Kelsey. I'm not. I'm not terribly terrified of the Sixers short of them getting Jimmy Butler and not having to, you know, gut their young talent um, to get him. Uh, I'm a little more concerned about the Boston Celtics because they're one of the few teams that can match the Raptors on depth and on two way play and on lineup versatility and flexibility. I think that would be, I mean, I want that series really badly. The, the Raptors and Celtics have kind of flirted with who's number two after LeBron the last couple of years and have never got to play against each other in the playoffs. And I think it'd be a fun chess match and a really fun talent matchup. Um, you know, I think, I think you get to a series like that the way it looks right now, and it's pretty close to a coin flip. Um, so the Raptors have a very reasonable path to, to the fun. It's, it's stay mostly healthy, um, figure out the, the ways you're, you the different ways you can play. So you're not stuck in one mode in the playoffs and then, you know, hope that you match up well with Boston and, and play well in that series. Um, you know, I think their, their goal is probably even bigger than that. Not, I don't think they'd be so brash as to think they can beat Golden State, but if you can take a game, maybe two games off of them, um, that's probably the high water mark. I think a more realistic goal is just to get there uh, and see what happens once you're there. Uh, I wouldn't say I'm quite Kelsey level of confident that it's going to happen, um, but like, you know, it, it's them or Boston that's going to the finals. The way it looks right now, and those teams are separated by personal preference or hairs like they, there's not much of a gap between them at all either way
0: sorry you said you said hairs and i was thinking like gordon hayward's hair it was like does he have the best hair on the raptors or in the celtics who has the best hair but that's not that's not what you meant at all
3: yeah the raptors did bring kyle collinsworth into camp so i think he'd probably he could match up with gordon hayward in a hair battle but the the celtics don't have anyone with like a wave and a fade as good as Fred Van fleet i don't think ooh, so that's a good
0: call so Kelsey, I want to I want to kind of erase the calendar, the refrigerator calendar, a little bit, and uh, <laughs> give me give me the worst case scenario in your mind for the Raptors.
2: Um, Kawhi and Kyle both get hurt, and we do terribly.
0: Okay, give me, give like me the 30. worst. I
2: say thirty three.
0: Give me the worst case scenario where only one of those guys gets hurt. Okay, forty two. Okay, Are but you I
2: mean, I'm not going into this with the confidence of the Washington wizards. Like I'm not saying, Oh yeah, we're going to win. We're going to wear black and this, that, and the other, like with regards to Boston. But I just, I do have a good feeling.
0: No, I think that's fair. I mean, you you guys match up pretty well with one another. Um, They have a little bit, I think, I think you guys have them defensively and they have you offensively. So I could see how that'd be a close, very watchable series. I'd be curious to see how it plays out. Um, but we got to get all the way to March now or April right? June. Oh God. So far away.
2: (laughs) We haven't even had our Thanksgiving yet. And we're already talking about uh, April, May, June,
0: (laughs) right? Canadian Thanksgiving. Uh, Blake, what do you, what, what would your worst case scenario for the Raptors be given that like no major injury befalls both of Kyle and Kawhi?
3: Yeah, I think the worst case is, you know, things off the court don't go super well with Kawhi and it becomes a big distraction and the basketball stuff doesn't work out quite as well uh, as it looks. Um, on the court, though, I mean, this isn't this isn't really a team that's going to finish below 500. I just don't... They have 11, maybe 12 guys that that should be playing NBA rotation minutes. They've got youth and ups, the upside that comes with that youth. They have established all-stars. They have established role players who are strong in their roles. Um, it would take... It would take a lot falling the wrong way and Nick Nurse to just be very bad at a job that I think he's going to be pretty good at uh, for this team to you know not be a 500 team. I, I know that's not a worst case scenario, but like a 20th percentile projection for this team probably still has them finishing around 500.
0: Do you think that gives Ujiri enough license to start his rebuild if that happens? Yeah,
3: Ujiri has a lot of political capital here, and I think... You know, obviously, anytime a team takes a step back and he's just and an executive has just fired a coach, uh, that seat gets a little warmer. But I think, you know, as, as I've understood it, he has, you know, pretty free reign over the basketball side of things. Um, and I, I think he'd be able to explain to them that, hey, we true we tried this. We went all in for Kawhi Leonard. This was a better chance this year than two more years of the exact same thing. Um, I think that would be a, an easy enough justification, even if it doesn't end up working out. You you kind of had to take a move of some sort this offseason.
1: So for fans who aren't necessarily paying attention to the Raptors night in and night out, um, what do you think is the biggest on-court problem with the Raptors? So there's lots of strengths, they're very deep, but what's the main issue that they might have on the court this year?
0: Kelsey.
2: Me? Okay. Um, I don't. I don't know. Um, I mean, we signed CJ to, you know, shoot threes. And as far as what we expected him to deliver and what he did deliver for the majority of the season last year was um, not great. So that could be a problem. I mean, our bench players, we signed Norm for a boatload of money and he pretty much set it on fire. So if those two can't really get up to par with what we expected them to do, that could create a lot of problems. We don't know how Danny Green will play either. I mean, I'm I'm excited for Danny Green. I know that Kawhi Leonard gets most of the attention, but I'm pretty excited for Danny Green too. But then again, we don't know how he'll fit in, especially if he's going to be starting.
1: Blake, what's your take on that same question? What's the biggest on-court challenge or problem for the refs?
2: Yeah, I think for a little while there,
3: it looked like rebounding was going to be a bit of an issue. Uh, Jakob Pearl outbound, Lucas Nogueira outbound. Um, Pascal Siakam not a terrific rebounder for the front court spot, and Serge Ibaka kind of a good rebounder at power forward, but not really what you need um, on the defensive glass at center. Uh, signing Greg Monroe help, helps with that. I don't, I still haven't figured out exactly where Greg Monroe is going to fit in this rotation, and I'm not sure, you know, if he's the backup center, then you're playing 11 guys for sure, and, and it gets a little clunky. And if he's not the backup center, you know, he doesn't strike me as the type of guy who would maybe stay. Uh, in the flow, super well. Not not playing pretty regularly. Um, if he's out there, I think they'll they'll be fine in that regard. But probably defensive rebounding is where I'm looking. And outside of Jonas Valanciunas, um, you know that's the only guy they have set for certain in the rotation uh, who's really good in that regard. And, and some of their smaller lineups uh, are going to struggle in, in that regard too. OG Ananobi, if he slides to the four, he wasn't a terrific rebounder um, in his rookie season either. So. Uh, that's probably the biggest like skill area uh, I'm worried about. I think they'll be okay three point shooting. Uh, they have a lot of ball handling in both units. They'll maybe be a little small with their closing units if if they if they close with Lowry and Van Bleet, um, like I see them doing. Uh, but de- but rebounding is probably the biggest one, especially when they go small. That was long winded. Sorry, I could have just said rebounding.
1: No, that's all right. I'm glad I'm glad you uh, took a deep dive at it. I'm Kelsey. I was glad to hear you bring up Danny Green because. I haven't even mentioned him right on this podcast. And I think that's indicative of kind of the larger conversation. He's a guy who could help. And then of course, Greg Monroe, a guy who one who played his way into my heart as, as a rookie in his first couple of years with Detroit, who just can't seem to catch a break. I mean, he's talented, but limited. And he just can't seem to find a place into the, into a rotation on a consistent basis. But uh, yeah, Greg
0: has the same problem. All the other skilled, uh, big men who can only score have at this point was that which is that like their their skills are no longer in demand right like everybody wants switchable bigs who can cover point guards and no one wants post-up bigs because post-ups are inefficient it's just sad like honestly i i I also have a soft spot for greg because he was great
1: It's funny. He can rebound too. He can help with that defensive rebound.
3: Yeah. I like Greg. I like, obviously love Monroe's passing too. I think they could run some corner offense through him with the second unit. And that'd be fun. Uh, I was going to ask you guys, actually, I had intended to ask you guys um, not to hijack the podcast, but you mentioned Biggs, who can only do the offensive stuff. Uh, The Raptors signed Eric Moreland for training camp. And I think they might have eyes on him for a two way. He's kind of the opposite. He's like 98th percentile uh, by Jacob Goldstein's player. impact minus on the defensive end and then basically he can pass a little bit and that's it on the offensive end. Um what did you guys did you guys like him last year? Was he like do you think
1: he's an NBA guy? You can take this one Les. You got this.
0: Uh so there were definitely at times last year where Eric Moreland looked like literally afraid to shoot and like that can definitely be a problem on a team that does not have the offensive firepower on the bench and across the roster that the Raptors do but uh, I definitely think Eric played his way um, into like a third string center job somewhere last season. He was perfectly adequate as a backup guy. Um, Lots of energy, active hands, uh, a better block and steal guy than I think you would imagine given his size. And um, yeah, he was, he was truly effective for us. And I think that if you can like get him on a two way, I think that'll be a great value for you. I know, um, I'm kind of sad that, like, you know, you, you had to lose Bebe to do it, but uh, I think that
3: I don't. I'm I'm not really ready to talk about it.
0: <laughs> Everybody loves Bebe. Uh,
3: anyway, thank you for that answer. I w- I didn't. I don't mean to hijack, but I'm I'm very curious about him just because of how like incredibly high some defensive metrics on are yeah. on him.
1: The, I would say that met- that stat got him pretty much right. He's a non-factor offensively, almost completely a non-factor. Um, but very very solid team defender, and and last mentioned, he'll he'll surprise you with a block or a steal that you wouldn't expect him to get. So,
3: a man um, after my own heart. That's that's exactly <laughs> the scouting report you would say about me were I six ten instead of five ten. <laughs> nice.
1: Yeah, I mean if he can find his way into minutes in your front court, I mean you've got you've got a lot of depth there. Um, it, you mentioned defensive rebounding as as a concern there might be situations or matchups where he can help you in that regard where you don't need any offensive firepower, maybe in a second unit somewhere.
0: So uh, I guess the the second to last question we, we want to ask is uh, Kelsey, we don't watch a lot of the Raptors. Every time we watch the Raptors there, it's a busload of people coming from Toronto down to Detroit and, and yelling at us. And I can hear it through my TV Sorry. And, and it makes me mad. No, it's cool. But uh, what what's the under the radar thing that people who don't watch the Raptors every night are missing? Like what what's fun about the Raptors that I don't see because I don't watch them?
2: What's fun about them?
0: What's interesting? What's under the radar?
2: Well, just like the fact that they're Canada's only team, everyone cares, and so everyone that tunes in, like you, feel very very connected to them, and they are very interactive with um with their fans and. I don't I don't know how to put it into words, but they are a fun team to watch. I mean, our game ops are terrible. But <laughs> outside of that, they're they're just a fun team to watch. You know, it's expensive as hell to go see them at home, which is why we always infiltrate Detroit. <laughs> I think I sat like a row behind the bench 2 years ago for like $117.
0: Oh man, that makes me sad, but that sounds about
1: right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I legit got Pistons tickets a couple years ago for $2.50. $2.50. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Wait, so
0: tell me more about the Raps Terrible Game Ops.
2: Oh, they're just so bad. It's just like they just play all the wrong things at all the wrong times. Like, you know, crunch time. We don't need to hear everybody clap your hands.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's when you need the final countdown or something like the bad boys <laughs> made great in the late 80s, early 90s.
2: I would just, if we could trade for game ops for jimmy butler in a perfect world that would that work would out great for me personally
0: um glenn taylor might do that at this point <laughs> so blake what uh what is your under the radar thing that people who don't watch the raptors as much as you do are missing
3: i think you know i think people have a good handle on what the raptors do well and what they don't do well uh, and who they are um delon Wright, though is like the most one of the most interesting and unique players in basketball i think the way he works in the open court um the like the just the bag of tricks he has in terms of hesitation dribbles euro steps ball fakes um you know he's not we're not talking manu Ginobili levels here but like there was a reason that it, it was a big deal when he hit manu with a, a euro step and froze him last year it's because he has you know he's clearly watched a lot of that and he grew up his brother was playing with Dwayne Wade and he took a lot from Dwayne Wade's game. Um, and he's just got, I don't know, man, he's funky out there. It's a, when he, when he has the ball with a little bit of space to operate um, it's, it's kind of artistic, man. It's uh he's all, it's always something new. And I have no idea how you would go about trying to defend him one-on-one in space, because I don't think he knows what he's going to do half the time. Um, you know, he's uh yeah, he's like the most giftable player on the team, which is, I don't think people maybe realize.
2: We're not supposed to talk about him out loud. Sorry, what? He's a part of me. We're not supposed to talk about him out loud. He's a free agent next year.
0: Oh, <laughs> that's actually a really good answer because, like, that's the exact type of thing I'm looking for. Now I'm going to be searching up Delon Wright uh, dribbling compilations for like the next half hour on YouTube.
3: <laughs> He's really good, man. It's it's so much fun.
1: Interesting.
0: So this is the Detroit Bad Boys podcast we do have to talk about the Pistons. Uh, Kelsey, what has your opinion been of what the Pistons have done over the last six months? So that be, you know, the Blake Griffin trade. Uh, maybe you want to talk about hiring Dwayne Casey <laughs> once or for a little bit, uh, but they also like restructured the front office, um, signed some free agents. Uh, what What is just from, I guess, from your bus seat on your way to Detroit? Uh, what what is your view been of the Pistons?
2: Um. Good luck with Blake Griffin. <laughs> I don't know if it's just a personal thing, but I just don't like him. And um, <laughs> Dwayne Casey, if he's gonna like belittle Andre the way that he belittled Jonas, then Ugh. you guys are in for a little bit of a dumpster fire.
0: I think I think Dre has like a little bit more uh, team capital than than Jonas does, so that might help a little bit in that regard.
2: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see Dwayne Casey as the head coach of a different team, especially one with, I mean, someone like Blake Griffin and someone like Andre Drummond.
1: I just got super depressed. That was just...
3: Sorry. (laughs) If you want to get more depressed, I have the cap sheet open right now.
1: Yeah, well, we've been around that mountain a few
3: times. You can't
0: can't make me any sadder than I already am with that one. But uh, so, Blake, what what is your opinion uh, been so far of what the Pistons have done?
3: Yeah, I mean, look, it's, it's Stan Van Gundy did not leave them in a very good situation. We're we're obviously seeing in Minnesota right now more argument in favor of don't let the coach have say over the personnel as well, um, because that's how you end up with John Luer with nineteen and a half million still left on his deal.
0: Hey, it, it declines. It declines. It's fine. So does his
3: performance. So it's accurate. <laughs> I do think there's enough here to like compete for one of those last two playoff spots. Uh, I I actually think Dwayne Casey is a nice fit there. Um, He's almost, he weirdly, I think everyone kind of assumed for a long time that Dwayne Casey would like to play a smaller brand of basketball, but almost the entire time he was in Toronto, um, he played with two traditional bigs starting. He knows how to craft a a very, I mean, the the Raptors offense was consistently top five, top 10 with two traditional bigs uh, often with one who couldn't shoot. Um, I think they'll, they'll, he'll get a good amount out of the Blake Griffin, Andre Drummond combo. Um, you know, the one thing he's not going to be able to do much of is get point guard play. I mean, it sounds like Reggie Jackson's still not healthy. Um, I don't know if he's ever going to be like actually good again. You just know that Dwayne Casey's going to start Jose Calderon at some point, which is <laughs> going to be amazing. But um, I don't know. There's a lot to sort through here, man. There's a lot of like. Who? What is the wing rotation, and who can you trust at point guard? And it's a lot of questions for a team that has the cap sheet and, and had that aggressive Blake Griffin trade, like they want to compete right now. And I, I don't think there's a path to being competitive, but I think there's enough there that you know, with Casey and Griffin and, and um, Drummond, I, I think you can you know you can get at least a step further.
0: So I heard that Casey like started Calderon over Lowry when they first traded him for him. Is that true?
3: So Jose Calderon has beaten out everyone for a starting point guard job. Like, if you if you haven't been beat by beat for a starting job by Jose Calderon, you're in the NBA, you, you haven't been around long enough. That's it. He, he took down, like, TJ Ford, Jarrett Jack, um, Kyle Lowry for a little bit. There was someone um, – Mike James, I think, w- was still here. No, maybe not Mike James. Anyway, he took someone else out. Um, and then you even see now, like, every stop he makes, he ends up starting for a stretch somewhere. Cleveland was starting him this year. Um, it's why Golden State, when Golden State signed him for that one day, uh, they had to cut him because they're like, well, Steph, we can't have Steph lose his job. Um, so you like Jose Calderon is starting a game at point guard for you guys this year. If I could bet on any one weird prop in the NBA this year, it's Calderon starting at least one game.
0: You're you're making Jose Calderon, who I actually kind of like as a third string slash like emergency starter. You're making him sound like Dwayne Casey's Jameer Nelson. And if I say the words Jameer Nelson, Ben has a heart attack. (laughs) (laughs)
3: <laughs> <laughs> look Jose's awesome man you guys are gonna like you guys will love him as a person uh, and he can still shoot a little bit i just you know he's not a starting nba point guard at this point
1: and well let see the thing is the pistons had him for what like a stretch of 20 or 30 games like five years ago right and i was stoked because i was all about re-signing him because i thought he would have been a fantastic starter and then we didn't and now we have him again when he's 45 so <laughs>
0: 45 so ben uh we're so when Reggie inevitably gets hurt again, and we have to talk about Jose versus Ish uh, for starting point guard. Are you, are you going to be on on team Jose?
1: I might just retire <laughs> at that point.
0: No, I don't blame you. No, I, I think I think Jose is uh, because he can shoot and because he can run a pick and roll. I, like those might be quite literally the only two things he can do on a basketball court uh, at the NBA level. But uh, because he can do those two things, I think it'll, it'll be interesting to, uh, to start him. Uh, but that is everything we have. Uh, thank both of you so much for coming on. Uh, I truly appreciate it. Um, Kelsey, where, where can the people uh, talk to you about the Raptors slash complain about uh, your loudness at uh, LCA this season?
2: <laughs> I'm on Twitter. It's Kelsey underscore lately
0: uh blake where can people uh yell at you for the athletics pricing model
3: yeah uh at blake murphy odc on twitter i also can i just say i haven't even announced that that's where i'm going yet and you guys just everyone just assumes now if someone changes jobs in the industry uh they're going to the athletic that is what i'm doing um but yeah so i'll be there uh blake murphy odc on twitter
0: i i mean i assume that because you already did like a crap ton of freelance stuff for them so that that's where my assumption was coming from
3: yeah it's a it's a safe assumption and
0: uh ben uh where can the people talk to you about uh a 31 year old jose calderon instead of a 45 year old jose calderon
1: i think he's older than me right i mean i'm 35 uh at br galker on twitter
0: And of course, if you want to talk to me about the Pistons cap sheet, which uh, gives me palpitation still, you can do that on Twitter at LazChance, that's at L-A-Z-C-H-A-N-C-E. This has been the Detroit Bad Boys podcast, and we will see you all later this week.